Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Bring us in, babe. Welcome to Coco Caliente. We had our baby appointment. Uh, our 20-week anatomy. Was ultrasound. it 19-week? I was 19 weeks during it. Okay. Um, but it's, I guess, technically, it was a little more than 19 weeks. So they call it your 20-week. Week. You're in your 20th week. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. So yeah. we got, we, it's a, the anatomy ultrasound we did, um, but we didn't want to know the gender. Right. Um, so, and Victor we, got to come in with me this time. I, I went in. Mm-hmm. Yes, I went in. Um, it was cool because we saw, and I was just looking at him like just now. I like had tears in my eyes because it's so cool. Mm-hmm. So we saw like the profile, so you could see the nose and the lips and the head and like the little eyes, and mm-hmm. you could see the little feet with the toes and the hands with the fingers. That was it's it's really really cool, and you can see like their spine. In the yeah, ribs. When, it's when crazy. I, when we went back there to like look, obviously I w- I'm just like nervous and mm-hmm. worried, and I feel like I start my maternal instincts just like kick in and I get protective. But I was laying there, and then the ultrasound tech was like showing everything, and I had to like look away several times because it was just so much emotion. I think for the first time, it felt like it looks like a baby, mm-hmm. and um. It made me feel really guilty for all like the junk I eat. You know, yeah. I was just like, "Oh my god, I need to be better." And I started crying. I was like, "This is like a v- so emotional because you know you're just like you're growing a bump on your belly, but you don't really think about it." And you're like, "When you get this baby, um, I feel like a lot of times until I see the baby or hold the baby, it just doesn't register." But man, it really registered during that ultrasound and it was I had to like I said I had to look away I had like tears pouring down and I was so scared that she was gonna say you know because I did miss my prenatal sometimes like you know I'm just worried it's gonna be my fault no and so, and just so you know she said everything is good mm-hmm. we we have you know pretty normal pregnancy everything's where it should be how yeah. it should be mm-hmm. you know everything as of right now is a-okay so thank god for that um yeah and and it's just it's exciting and we're leaving here soon to, for our wedding and after the wedding we're gonna have you know our little gender reveal so yeah. that'll be exciting they gave us the the gender i specifically envelope. told the nurse do not give it to victor and then she like didn't even think about it because she had sealed it up for like 15 minutes which i really really appreciate and then 
she just like handed it off and then she looks at him and she goes oh, i'm so sorry i'm so so sorry and then victor's like waving it around like nee, 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 nee. and she's like oh my gosh and i was like it's fine i'll get it eventually but you could tell she felt so bad and it was like oh my gosh well right when we left the hospital we just went right to your friend's uh work and we dropped it off to her who's After setting we up eat breakfast uh, yeah. yeah who's who's setting up the uh the gender reveal party so when you held it up to the light you really didn't see right i swear i didn't see anything okay. you couldn't see anything um yeah, I don't know. It's 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 and really exciting. We almost exciting. didn't get to know the gender because throughout the whole entire ultrasound, the baby was in a position where um, basically it's his foot. or her foot was like yeah. in in that area, and she couldn't see it. And so I was like, "Oh my gosh, we're gonna have a gender reveal without even knowing the gender." It's right? unknown. So, um, but then she's like, "Okay, no, I, I got it." <laughs> yeah. So, and and very fitting today for this episode mm-hmm. because we have a double board certified OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist, women's health expert, Dr. Shannon M. Clark, mm-hmm. uh, who specializes or who has a special interest rather in fertur- uh, fertility, pregnancy, and motherhood after age 35. Yeah. Uh, so we have a great conversation with her. We talked to her about stuff that we're thinking about and uh, stuff that she sees or has seen in her practice. Um, so yeah, definitely a great source of information with her and we hope you guys enjoy. Hello. Hello. Is this Miss, uh, rather, Dr. Shannon Clark? Yes, it is. Thank you. Hey, good morning. I am Victor, and I have my beautiful fiance and co-host, Nicole, here. Hi. Thanks for joining Hi. us today. Hey, no problem. Thank you. <laughs> so how are you doing this morning? Well, I'm in Texas, in Houston, if that could give you any indication. Oh, so. <laughs> my gosh. Okay, so how are things over there right now? Is it still, like, below? Or is everything frozen? Yeah, no, we are still without water and intermittently without electricity, but I do have electricity right now. So hopefully, and Wi-Fi, so hopefully it won't go out anytime soon. Is that where you live? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so, I'm very sorry. It is, it is, it's really cold over here too. It was negative two last night Uh, and uh, our water froze over uh, the other day. And so that wasn't a fun morning. Um, but I do appreciate you joining us today uh, amidst everything you got going on over there. No problem. Um, so I got a, just a very, this is a silly question on my part, but OBGYN, OBGYN, what does that stand for? Uh, so OBGYN is obstetrics and gynecology. So uh, that means I am double board certified in obstetrics and gynecology and then also in maternal fetal medicine. So did you always want to be a doctor? Uh, no, I didn't actually. I went to college to do law school, to go to law school. Mm. And then I had, uh, my first government class and hated it. <laughs> and the guy I was dating at the time was pre-med and he was a, a year ahead of me, I guess. Mm-hmm. And at that time we kind of made our declaration about if we wanted to be pre-med, we had to decide by our sophomore year in college. So he he said, "Well, why don't you try pre med?" And then I got into med school, and he didn't. So, <laughs> what? Oh my god! Yeah, what so. a trajectory! What a change! <laughs> yeah, so that, that's, it happens like that sometimes. It's okay, but I do appreciate him to this day for uh, obviously for suggesting that because obviously it worked out. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so the process—I always think about the process to become a doctor and how long mm-hmm. and strenuous that process is. Um, how how long did that take for you? Like, what, what was mm-hmm. what's that track like? So you know, I went straight through. Uh, I 
I did four years. I say I graduated college or graduated high school um, a few months before I turned 19. So I was 18 and change. And then four years of college, four years of med school, four years of residency in obstetrics and gynecology, three years of fellowship in high-risk obstetrics or maternal fetal medicine. I finished that tra- formal training in 2007. Then you have to go through the process of getting durable board certified, which requires a written and an oral exam for OBGYN, a written and an oral exam for maternal fetal medicine. And if I recall correctly, I got I finished all my board certifications by 2011, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's when, I mean, I was practicing from 2007 to 2011, but, you know, you have a certain amount of time to yeah. get your board certifications. Yeah. Wow. You know, I, and I have a buddy who's going through that right now. He's a little bit younger than me, but he he's a doctor, but he's going through his residency and all that stuff. And he explained it like having a lottery ticket that you can't cash out yet, right? <laughs> because you're, you, you have all the training, you, you're getting there, right, to the end, but you're still not where you want to be because mm-hmm. you don't have your own thing yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This episode is brought to you by something Nicole and I use at our house every day, Kitty Poo Club. Mm-hmm. Are you a proud cat person? You love your cat, but that doesn't mean you love having a litter box in your home. Kitty Poo Club takes care of the more unpleasant parts of cat ownership so you can get back to loving your furry friend. Kitty Poo Club is an all-in-one litter box solution designed to be convenient for you. Every month, Kitty Poo Club de- delivers an affordable, high-quality, recyclable litter box that's pre-filled with the litter of your choice. Yeah, so like I picked my litter. There's four different options. Pick which one's best for you and your cats. The boxes are leak-proof, eco-friendly, and they have a fun design for every season. When the month is up, just recycle the box, and Kitty Poo Club will automatically deliver a new one to you. No changing used litter, which is great for pregnancy, mm-hmm. and no more cleaning the box. You can customize your order based on how many cats you have and what type of litter they prefer. And it's a no-risk guarantee, so you can easily customize or cancel anytime. So give yourself the gift that keeps on giving the whole year, a Kitty Poo Club subscription. Right now, Kitty Poo Club is offering you 20% off your first order when you set up auto ship by going to kittypooclub.com and entering promo code COCO. Just go to kittypooclub.com and enter promo code COCO to get 20% off when you set up auto ship. That's kittypooclub.com. And don't forget to enter promo code COCO at checkout. So Nicole, right now, uh, when this episode comes out, she'll be 19 uh, weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we are first-time parents. uh, Mm -hmm. And so it's it's great having you on the show. And you specialize, uh, or one of your passions, I guess, specializations as well, is uh, getting pregnant after 35. Mm -hmm. So where where did that come about? How how did that that, come to be? Yeah, so it's not specifically because of what I do. I do high-risk obstetrics. All my patients are already pregnant. Okay. Um, And I do deal with high-risk pregnancies based on age, meaning that they're pregnant after age 35. But where my actual passion for it uh, started was when I was trying, you know, I married at 38, had my first miscarriage at 39 and a half, started IVF at 40 and change. And uh, I ended up going through five cycles of IVF that only produced one genetically normal embryo that, that transfer did not take. I went on to do, uh, we chose to do donor egg. Um, I did get five embryos from the donor egg, um, donor person uh, or egg donor. And then, uh, the first transfer did not take the second transfer did take and That's how I got my twins. So, you know, uh, I think why I started babies after 35 is because 
even though I'm an OBGYN and, you know, obviously very educated, yeah. there were still a lot of things I didn't know about fertility and, you know, trying to conceive and then also pregnancy after age 35 and especially after age 40. So I wasn't necessarily prepared for the lengths that I was going, I had to go through personally to get pregnant. So I was thinking to myself, well, if I'm getting thrown for a loop here, how does the average person who's not in medicine and doesn't have this background, what do they think Mm -hmm. about trying to conceive in pregnancy after age 35 and especially after age 40? So that's where I, I, and you know, at that time I started this in 2014, there wasn't a whole lot of information in, on social media and in the media in general, um, you know, because social media, whether we like it or not, is where we get a lot of our information. Yeah. So I wanted to be that reliable source of information uh, and also share my story. And I was very transparent along the way about my journey um, to, you know, educate people and encourage people to educate themselves and learn about their fertility if they are we're actively trying to conceive or and or pregnant after age 35 um, or anticipating delaying childbearing. Um, so that was my primary goal. It, it since has blossomed to something much bigger, um, which I'm very grateful for. Um, but I think the main thing was to educate as a physician uh, with my medical expertise and my background and as with my own personal experiences because it does mean something when the physician actually has been through it. And I've been through it, so I, I know um, I even had the high risk pregnancy as well. So, um, I just wanted to be that source of information and educate as much as I could and give people a place to go if they wanted accurate information. Absolutely. So since you went through it yourself, how did your practicing change for your patients? Would you say? So I think, uh, you know, I, I before all of this, I, I am known for, and consider myself a very, uh, I don't know whether I'm very empathetic. I I take a lot of time with my patients. I'm very good with patients and Mm -hmm. uh, my high risk patients and the struggles they go through. And, but afterwards, you know, uh, I had a different view on pregnancy loss, on being on bed rest, Mm -hmm. being pregnant with twins. I was uh, pregnant with twins in hospital bed rest for two months. I also had a very urgent, complicated delivery, blood transfusion, complications, being a NICU mom. So going through all that stuff myself that my Mm -hmm. patients had been going through, all the way from having trouble conceiving to, you know, having a complicated pregnancy, being on hospital bed rest, being, uh, having a, an acute delivery, an emergent delivery, and having complications postpartum, and then having babies in the NICU, going through that myself uh, really changed my mm-hmm. perspective. And I had a whole new understanding mm-hmm. of what my patients were going through. So um, I think it just, it opened my eyes a lot to what patients actually experience. Yeah, definitely, because all the research in the world probably can't really prepare you for how it actually feels on the other side. So um, that probably mm-hmm. really gave you and your patients even more common ground. Um, and you can say, hey, look, I've been through this. Like, I've been in your shoes, mm-hmm. and that makes them feel so much better. That would make me feel better if I was a patient and just taking, you know, you're very um, knowledgeable, but also you've been through it and you've had success with it. Well, I think that uh, traditionally, you know, uh, I'm not too old, but I am of an older generation. I'm 47, mm-hmm. and we were kind of trained to keep things separate. You, you, your personal life stays personal. Your work mm-hmm. stays work. Mm-hmm. Be professional. You know, don't share too much. We're the physicians. We, you know, we have to be delivering information, you know, and and making decisions based on what the science says, what the patient needs. So there was, wasn't a whole lot about, you know, interjecting your own personal experiences. But, but what I found is that mm-hmm. 
it's I'm not I don't do that with everyone. I don't go and say, well, this is what I went through with that. <laughs> yeah. because my experience does not apply to my patients mm-hmm. or all of them. Mm-hmm. But in the right situation, in the right circumstance, the patient's receptive. And that goes with the bed, having a bedside manner. You yeah. kind of get a feel for what your patient needs. And you'll get that feeling if you take time to get that feeling. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And I know, I know this patient might need to hear. It might help her to hear my personal experience. You know, I'm, I don't just go in, you know, giving them my diary of what happened day by day. No, that's not it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, but it is something personal. Your personal experiences as a physician mm-hmm. are something you can draw on when it comes to patient care. And it is sometimes very helpful, but you just have to kind of gauge when it's appropriate and, you know, share what you want uh, with the, at the right time. So I don't think there's any wrong, anything wrong with us sharing our own personal experiences with our patients at times. No, definitely not. I think, Mm -hmm. I think for me, it helps. That's just, Mm -hmm. um, how I feel is if, they, even my doctor will tell me, oh, well, this with another patient, something he knows what to say to make me feel very calm and very comfortable. And so I love that because mm-hmm. this is the first time I'm going through it. I didn't know, I didn't get to go test all these doctors to say, oh, who am I going to like vibe mm-hmm. with? I am a nervous person. So I got really lucky right off the gate. My doctor is amazing and he just, he just makes me laugh and he makes me feel comfortable and, and that's what I need. And I know that there's other ones in the area that are just very straight to the point and will mm-hmm. tell you, you know, straight up. And that's, I knew that that's something that I probably couldn't handle. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's very interesting how, how important bedside manner is. And I was, um, a pract- I was a nurse. I am still a nurse, but I'm not practicing currently and just working with different doctors and just the bedside manner is so, so important, especially I would say for expecting mothers. Cause now I am mm-hmm. one and I understand you're worried. It's so much bigger than yourself. Um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, and I'm glad you said he, because there is this mm-hmm. common misconception that male physicians, don't understand. Mm -hmm. And they may not go through some of the things we go through personally, but having treated patients for years, Mm -hmm. we can draw on those experiences as well. So don't discount that because someone can't physically go through what you go, go through that they don't, there's no way they can understand because they probably understand more than you think, especially if they're the ones that, like you said, take the time with you. uh, Even though he hasn't gone through, physically (laughs) gone through things, but he, you know, he's, been through that with his patients. So he probably does have a very good understanding yeah. of, of what people go through. Yeah. 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 I got to give you uh <clears throat> sorry, I got to give you major props. I was looking at your social media and your TikTok and stuff, and you have a mm-hmm. unique way of delivering information to where I want to mm-hmm. keep looking at it. And it makes me <laughs> smile at the same time. <laughs> so yeah, no, that, that, that's awesome. Um, so I, I do have a more serious question though. Mm-hmm. What type of, you know, emotional toll does it take to have to go through that process, because uh, you pretty much went through all the processes you can mm-hmm. go through to get pregnant. And, you know, we know people that, you know, are going through something like that. And, you know, we feel bad, but we don't know what to say, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, we would love for them to have a baby, but you see them going through this and it's like, it's not working, right? So mm-hmm. how, what was your mindset going through that? You mean in regards to my friends and family or, or my job? Uh, I guess for, for, for I guess for yourself, and then you know yeah. how, how your how people were relating to you or trying to connect with you during that time. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's, it's a it can be a no win situation. It's hard if you're someone who's not going through it, and someone close to you is. 
you don't know the right things to say. And I always give an example of one of my friends who said to me, I, I have no clue what you're going through. I, I don't necessarily know the right thing to say to you. Um, you know, but just tell me what you need. I'm here. I'll do whatever I can to help you. Now, she was someone who was not pregnant and did not have kids. But then I had a friend who actually was pregnant during the time. And she said, and she called to let me know. And she said, I just want to let you know I'm pregnant. Um, and I, I, I wanted you to hear it from me rather than hearing it from somebody else or on social media or Facebook. And I can tell you as little as you want to know. I can tell you as much as you want to know. Just tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. And I think that meant a lot because she did take that, that extra time to tell me personally. And, but we have to also give our friends and family members, if they're close to us, a little bit of grace because mm-hmm. they may not always see the right things. And how are they possibly going to know? It, it's not easy. And the, in, if we're in a position where we're in a state where we don't really want to talk about it, we can't expect them to read our minds. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, you, you kind of decide when and if you're, wanting to keep those few people close to you and let them go on this journey with you. Or you may decide you don't want to talk to anybody, but that's a decision you have to make. And, you know, it's tough, but you got to do what's best for you and, um, and go from there when it comes with, uh, being in a profession and, you know, I deliver babies. That was my job every day, delivering babies. (laughs) 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 I'm sorry. No, it's no. okay. Give me just a second. Hey guys, <laughs> Allie, can you please keep on? I'm on. I'm doing an interview. I'll be done in just a second. Thank you. <laughs> um, so when it come uh, comes to being a physician, that was a little bit different because to me that was more problematic because I delivered babies. That was my job. That was my passion. But I was going through infertility, and um, I had to separate it because I refused from the very beginning to let it take away the joy and the passion that I had for my job. Mm-hmm. Infertility had already taken so much from me. I wasn't going to let it take that. So I actually had to go through a period of time where I just had to completely block it out and separate it or else I, it would have been too much. I could not do my day-to-day tasks. And oddly enough, during that time when I was going through this, I was promoted to professor. I was still a producing at work. I was still, you know, doing what I need, the research, the education, everything I needed to do to be promoted in the midst of all this. Mm -hmm. And it it was was maybe a little bit of an outlet for me, but that's not to say that at some point I I had to face it. And actually right now is the time I'm facing it. I am going through therapy about with some of the trauma I went through with work and going, you know, and being, having those experiences Mm -hmm. and it's going to come out at some point. And for me, it's, it's, it's four years later. And, um, you know, therapy is helping and I have to face it um, because, like I said, you can only push it to the sides for so long. So if anybody is going through this journey, my biggest piece of advice would be start therapy. Mm-hmm. Find someone to talk to about it, uh, preferentially someone that's that's uh, um, uh, versed in it, uh, you know, with reproductive uh, issues, uh, infertility, um, pregnancy loss, someone that, that does that kind of therapy. Um, and there are people who do. Um, so that would be my biggest piece of advice. Absolutely. Yeah. That's something we talk about a lot uh, on our podcast mm-hmm. is mental health and making sure yeah. you're good uh, before mm-hmm. you do anything else. Right. Cause like you said, that, that can overflow into your life and you definitely don't want that. Yeah. You want to live as happy as you can be. Um, mm-hmm. so uh, we do appreciate that. Uh, I do have a side question. Mm-hmm. Um, so with, with, it's in vitro mm-hmm. and, and the other things that are available out there. 
a lot of those things are very expensive. Mm-hmm. From your point of view, is there a way to minimize those costs? Because sometimes it seems, you know, like out of reach for some of the average people yeah. out there that maybe can't afford that. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to do your research. There's a lot of fertility centers who have packages. Um, there's uh, some grants out there if you do the research on that. Um, but when you're starting the infertility journey, you know, getting plugged in with a reproductive and endocrinology and infertility specialist or fertility specialist right off the bat is ideal. Not because they're going to sign you up for IVF but, uh, right off the bat, mm-hmm. but they're going to ask you certain questions. What is your timeline? How much money do you have to spend? You know, what links are you willing to go through to get a baby or get pregnant? You know, they'll ask you all those things to help determine the best treatment plan for you. And I've heard of many instances where, where people used their, I don't know what the right word, I'll say nest egg for fertility treatments or their, their bundle of money for fertility yeah. treatments on multiple cycles of IUI that failed. When, and then they say, I should have just gone straight to IVF because I ended up spending just as much. So, you know, going in with a plan and, and talking to somebody who can walk that, walk you through that and the best people to do that are fertility centers because that's what they do every day. Mm-hmm. They can tell you, you know what, well, let's, based on what we know medically, based on what we know about you financially, based on what we know about you with your, you know, what your timeline is, this is what we recommend. Get another opinion too. You don't just have to take the uh, opinion of that one person. You you have to do your due diligence to get another opinion and then make a decision that's best for you and and your partner or you, if it's just you alone. Um, There's so much things, so many things that can be done on the front end to help with the planning um, that people don't realize. And I think that all starts with talking to someone who specializes in fertility. Absolutely. Okay. I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot more sense. Uh, mm-hmm. cause like you said, there is a lot of things out there. So how do you even know mm-hmm. if you're not even versed in the topic? <laughs> there's, there's so many options. There's so many options. And I think when someone thinks about infertility, they think about IVF and yes, IVF is way expensive, but there's so many things in between. And the only way to know what's right for you is going to the people that do it every day. Um, I, I'm not discounting general OBGYNs in no way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. There are some things they can do, but you got to have a plan. And, and I always recommend before you even start doing treatments with a general OBGYN, just do a consult with a reproductive uh, endocrinology and infertility specialist to see what they have to say. Because that's, again, that's what they do every day. You still may decide that what your general OBGYN recommended is best, but you at least got that second opinion. And then you can know if it doesn't work with my general OBGYN, then I can go on to this fertility specialist. So, you know, just do your due diligence to research and make and, and get as much information as possible at the very beginning of this journey. Awesome. Awesome. So what do you, so now, you know, Nicole, she's pregnant. That's my fiance, <laughs> beautiful fiance. She's pregnant. What advice do you give uh, to expecting mothers basically on their day-to-day for their day-to-day health? Right, things that they can do to make sure that they stay healthy. This is and probably baby stays his healthy. way for you to tell me to make sure I'm hydrated because I try really hard. It's just like <laughs> sometimes I just forget, and then I'm always peeing, and so I'm, I feel like I'm hydrated, but my lips mm-hmm. are dry. So, I, I, you know, listen. I think the best thing you do to any expectant person is not pressure them too much. There's already so much they have to worry about, <laughs> and we spend so much time telling them what they're doing wrong or what they could do better. And we don't spend enough time telling them what they're doing well or doing good. Mm -hmm. You go on social media and you read one post that says, oh my God, I should be doing this. And then the next post says, I should be doing this. And you're making a list of all the things you should be doing. And the next thing you know, 
you're so swallowed up in all the stuff I'm not doing that this post says I'm supposed to be doing. I, I don't even know where to go. Mm-hmm. My advice is this. You, it starts with picking your OBGYN, the person that's going to take care of you in your pregnancy. You have to research that person and vet that person just like you would anything else. Sometimes I feel like we decide where we're going to take our car to get repaired more than we pick who's going to take care of our pregnancy. That's true. I mean, I okay? didn't really do crazy. We want to go get that best <laughs> estimate. We'll take it to five dealerships before we decide, <laughs> right? But we'll pick that one OBGYN and that's the person that's going to take care of you. You can, if there's, if there's a, a way to plan, you can go interview OBGYNs before you, while you're trying to conceive. Mm. You, when you're first, pre- and people do that, believe mm-hmm. it or not, they do. You don't hear about it much, but they do. Um, you can, once you're pregnant, you have a little bit of time to decide on mm-hmm. who you want to see. Talk to your friends. Who do they like? Because who your friend might rave about, you might go see and think that I don't know what the hell she was thinking about this talk <laughs> because I do not. And that's okay. Yeah. So, but do it earlier on because that is the person who is going to, you should be trusting with your pregnancy. That should be the person that you should be getting all of your, primarily getting all of your information, recommendations, advice, expertise from. Mm-hmm. If you have an OBGYN and you still go to social media, mom groups, all these other places to get your information, then either there's something wrong with your physician-patient relationship or your doctor's not doing enough, or it's just never going to be good enough for you. You have to decide because you can get overwhelmed to where you're thinking about all the stuff you're not doing that you forget about what you should be doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah. definitely. You know, it it starts with picking your OBGYN. That should be the sounding board for first and foremost for everything. The other stuff that you do, can be an ancillary. It can be an adjunct to other things. It can be a way to share things uh, in mom groups and that, uh, your experiences and get some advice. But that should be where you're getting your medical, medical information about your pregnancy. And I see that all too often. And I caution anybody for that. It, I feel that social media should be an area for support, not necessarily getting what you should be doing about your pregnancy. You, 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 we have to be very careful with that. Um, if you don't feel like your OBGYN is that person for you, then maybe you need to find a different doctor. Um, but there are things that we can do to vet those people. Yeah, it's really good advice. Yeah, thank I you did for not, that. I did not know that. I mean, I guess that you could. I, I knew that you oh, probably you could. But... Wait. Okay, wait a minute. Do you, have you ever heard of a friend going and interviewing a pediatrician? No. People do that all the time. I, they'll go mm. when they're pregnant and they'll interview pediatricians. But nobody wants to interview their OBGYN ahead of time. Okay, so we, yeah. We can do that. Yeah. In, in this, where we live, I think we have, what, Victor, a couple options. So even for pediatrician, I feel like we might have two options. So it's one or the other, <laughs> unless you're yeah. like driving hours so, and hours. Of but, course, of course, of course. It's going to be limited. Yeah. I, 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 thanks for bringing that up. It's going to be limited by mm-hmm. where your location is, mm-hmm. obviously. But you can still get to know that person and pick yeah. between the two. Defin- <laughs> that you like. Definitely. You know, I you, there's definitely, still things you can do. Yeah. yeah. I definitely asked my friends who they liked yeah. for the OBGYN. Um, mm-hmm. And I just trusted it. And I was like, okay, this is cool. Now I'm recommending him to my friends. Good, but good. as if there's um, a lot of options. But there are options. And um, mm-hmm. I definitely think different people fit better with others. But now that you say that yeah. for a pediatrician... I definitely want to love our pediatrician because I'm mm-hmm. the one that will be calling them all the time, freaking out. So I need to have, I will interview them, Vic. We'll, we'll go well, see them. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. I I'm in medicine. So of course, what do I do? I'll talk to all my doctor friends. Yeah. Who do you recommend for a pediatrician? Everybody said this one doc. All right. I got an appointment with her and it happened to be that 
the first appointment, something happened. She wasn't there. And I got quote unquote stuck with, cause that was my mentality. Oh, great. I got stuck with the stock <laughs> and he was amazing. And he is my, my, uh, pediatrician now, you know, and uh-huh. I would not change it for the world. He's the one that I trust. And it just was by happenstance that we had that first visit with him. So, you know, things work out and mm-hmm. there, there are, uh, resources and you, people and people interview are much more willing to interview their pediatrician while they're pregnant to determine who they're going to see than they are their OBGYN. And we, we have the right to do that. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's awesome. And, uh, real quick, what that your your uh, the company that you have with your husband that 35 or babies after 35, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. what resources can people get on that? Cause I went to your website. Yeah. So what, what, what yeah. yeah. So actually my re- my website is getting totally redone. I just had a call right before this with, uh, my uh, designer, we're totally re- revamping things. Oh, awesome. But basically what Babies Under 35 was originally made for is for anyone who was trying to conceive, uh, anyone over 35, trying to conceive, pregnant, uh, you know, parenthood, all that that comes after 35. But since I started, my largest demographic is actually people aged 25 through 40 uh, or 25 through 34. So I have more people following me in that age group than I do people after age 35. Interesting. And I think they, that's because they're wanting, they're more and more people are delaying childbearing and anticipating delaying childbearing. Mm-hmm. And so they're wanting to educate themselves. So on my website, you're going to find things for those who are anticipating delaying childbearing, as well as those who are after age 35 and after age 40 who are trying to conceive pregnant or who have delivered. So I kind of um, have expanded to serve all people. But the main thing is that you're getting information from medical experts, myself, and and then as well as my personal experiences. Then I also have people who um, want to share their own personal stories, which I think there's something to be said for that. So that's what you're going to find on my website and on my social media as well. My goal is to have accurate information uh, for anyone that comes to my website. And what's your what's your uh, social media? Where can people find you? Yeah, so I'm primarily on Instagram uh, at Babies After 35. That's where I'm the most engaged. Um, and then I do a lot of videos on TikTok at TikTok Baby Doc. Um, and that's because it's a really cool platform to actually make the videos. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, and I get videos from other uh, docs on there that are doing it. So those are probably the two main places where you can find me. Is uh, is Are you going to start a podcast? Because I think you would be a perfect candidate yeah. for one. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we can talk about this later because you're, I actually am thinking about it. I do a lot of, uh, while we're on it, I do a lot of uh, live discussions on my Instagram TV. And okay. I talk with other medical professionals. I've done a lot about COVID education mm-hmm. and I get a gazillion views on those videos. Um, but you're right. I need to find a way to get them into a podcast. So I might pick your brain. <laughs> Absolutely. Let us know. We're available yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking time out of your mm-hmm. day. Uh, I'm sorry mm-hmm. for what's going on in Texas right now, but mm-hmm. sending love and prayers your way mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. make sure everything thaws out nicely. <laughs> thank you so much, you guys. And thank you for your time. You're very welcome. You have a good day. Bye-bye. Alrighty. Bye. We hope you enjoyed that episode and that you learned something. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And thank you so much for listening. Next time you hear from us, we will be married. married. <laughs> She'll be Nicole and Franzel Arroyo. Yes. I think she's doing the hyphen thing. Yeah. Yeah. I am. <laughs> Nicole and Franzel Arroyo. So Franzel Arroyo. But I'm not the third either, right? Or am I the third no, too? You're not the am third. I the third too? You're not the third. You know, what's funny is I was reading about uh, people that do hyphenated names and they were saying they get frustrated because sometimes like maybe 
at a doctor's office or a prescription thing or whatever. They don't they don't address your hyphenated name or they get it confused sometimes mm. or whatever. I don't know. I, that's interesting. Yeah. Or they'll just call you Miss Arroyo. Well, so that's totally cool. You can call yeah. me what you want. I think it's just more so keeping it because um, I'm attached to my name. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Like I'm and, proud of my name. You know, and, and I was reading about it too, how, how weird it must be. To your whole life be mm-hmm. Nicole Franzel. Yeah. And then just completely change to Nicole Arroyo. I just, like, you just give up your whole entire last name. Like, it has so much meaning. Imagine just giving up Arroyo. Like, yeah. you're just like Victor Franzel. It's just, it's weird. Yeah. And so for me, um, I get attached to the smallest of things. I'm no, definitely attached to my last name. And that stems down to my dad and my mm-hmm. dad's family. And so. For me to just like give up my last name, I can't do it. Yeah. And uh, I understand the people who like don't. And it's nothing against you, yeah. obviously. No, it's I like get that. I, I love your name and, I, and I'm going to be proud to take on that name, but it's just. Yeah, and be, our kids will have that name. Yeah, for you sure. Know? Right. And I definitely want to um, have the same last name as my kids as well. Yeah. But just like, it's just weird. Like, why does a girl have to give it up? <laughs> <laughs> Traditions, huh? Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Because I, I thought that too. I was like, man, it'd be so weird to just get rid of my last name. And then just for it Girls to- just, they just do it so easily. And it's just like all of a sudden it's changing. I'm still calling them by their name from middle school. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, well, that's the same person. Yeah. Um, Even my bridesmaids, when I'm filling out like the- um, You put their maiden names. I put their maiden names so many times. But it's like, because <laughs> I've known them their whole life. And yeah. I'm like, oh crap. It's Smith. <laughs> it's not Walsh. You know, it's yeah. like- Oh crap! It's not Franzel. It's Johnson. I'm like, oh my gosh! So I wouldn't be surprised if during our wedding, their maiden name is in a brochure or pamphlet, <laughs> on or, accident, or the DJ says her maiden name. But I mean, it is. What it it is. is what it is. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, but all right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this uh, episode. Took something away from it. We'll be married, and when we're back, <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. The easiest way is the little purple app on your Apple iPhone, uh, Apple. Pod- podcast or you can go online uh it's apple podcast and you can uh, rate review subscribe there you can listen to this anywhere you listen to uh podcasts google play spotify stitcher and you can always go to www.cococalientepodcast.com and you can also check out our merchandise there don't forget to follow us at coco caliente pod on twitter and at coco caliente podcast on instagram thank, thank you, you. If you want to be the most interesting person at the cocktail party, well, hop on over and listen to the Brain Candy Podcast. Our award-winning content will have you laughing while you're learning. We read all the best articles, books, and studies, and keep up with new TV shows, documentaries, and pop culture. And then we cram it all into two shows a week. Conspiracy theories, cannibal rabbits, unsolved mysteries, the history of the Walkman. There's something for everyone. The Brain Candy Podcast. Find our link in the show notes. Or simply search for the Brain Candy Podcast on on your podcast app.